This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, Chicago. Biggest Rock Festival is back. Chicago Open Air. Over 40 bands. Over three days. July 14th, 15th, and 16th. Toyota Park. Chicago Open Air. With Ozzy Osbourne. Mr. Crowley. Kiss. Chicago Open Air Festival with Godsmack, Rob Zombie, Corn, Stone Sour, Slayer, Seether, Megadeth, Anthrax, Lamb of God, Amana Marth, Mashuga, Clutch, Behemoth, Body Count, and so many more. Tickets are on sale now. Go to ChicagoOpenAir.com for all your lineup, ticket, and festival information. Chicago Open Air Festival, July 14th through 16th. Chicago's biggest hard rock festival, fueled by Monster Energy Drink. Pieces of shit unite. The greatest supergroup of all time is here. Overdose of AIDS. Vince Neil from Motley Crue. Vince Neil. Wes Scantlin from Puddle of Mud. Wes Scantlin. And Phil Barone from Porn. Porn. And on select nights at the merch booth, hand jobs and cockfighting with Blake Judd. Who the fuck is that? Overdose of AIDS. Stream the new hit single, Ian Watkins Can Make a Comeback, featuring Trip Eisen. Ian Watkins can make a comeback so you can suck my whiskey dick. And the emotional ballad, motherfucker right here stole my motherfucking house and now he's standing right in fucking front of me laughing at me. Motherfucker right here stole my motherfucking house and now he's standing right fucking in front of me laughing at me. Overdose of AIDS. A powder keg of true rock and roll. VIP meet and greet packages and meth available at all stops. Overdose of AIDS. New record available now from Victory Records. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spite. Oh, yeah. Get it out of you? I don't know why I started it off like that. What's going on, guys? Metal Sucks Podcast back again. I'm your host, Brandon Hahn, and I'm always joined by the other co-host. Uh, Petra Spych. And, uh, oh, we have a fun-filled, an adrenaline-packed show for you this week. And oh. a great interview with uh, Mike Schliebaum from Darkest Hour. Of course. In person. In person. We actually met him. We smelled his hair. He's great. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. We sat time, in their yeah. tour bus slash van. It was very, it was, it, I loved it. Yeah, dude. I, I actually tried, I was, I was starting a mosh pit during, dude, this is a, I went to the show, me and my lady, and uh, we had whiskey with us, and we we ordered two shots of whiskey, and then they put it in plastic cups, and so during one of the songs, they were playing a new song, I was trying to start the mosh pit going, because it was going, and then sure enough, dude, the guy, some dude came in there, did start doing the jungle pit, and he flicks his arm back and knocks the whiskey right out of my lady's hand, all over her, dude, and I'm like, I started this, god damn. Damn it. Yeah, well, that's so, what happens. Right. The metal gets a hold of you. You got to mm-hmm. let out that aggression. And that $15 whiskey's gone. See you later, $15 whiskey. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Fantastic Sorry. show, though. <laughs> yeah. It's running until March 21st, so if you guys have a chance, go check them out right away. I got to see Rotten Sound. Now, I think that was the last day they played was in Vegas, but I think Tombs is with them now. So it's Ringworm, Rivers of Nile, Tombs, and, of course, Darkest Hour all the way till March 21st. So anyways, that bit that uh, we just did. 
Oh, the, the pieces, pieces of shit unite. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, so laughs> when I wrote that bit, it was actually uh, <clears throat> overdose or AIDS. Oh, okay. When I sent it to you, so you changed the title of the band to Overdose of AIDS. That's because I read it too quickly. <laughs> so I couldn't tell, tell the difference between an F and an R. Dude, you killed it. It was fucking hilarious, dude. You sang that part perfectly, that West Scantlin part. I, uh, it came from the soul. It came from the soul, but I don't know. I what, mean, if somebody stole my motherfucking house and somebody was motherfucking <laughs> laughing at me, I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> Dude, I'd be pretty motherfucking upset. I, I, I stole that right verbatim from like, what he yeah. said on stage. Suck the fuck or whatever. No, that's a different. Not, yeah. You can say that as a different band. But anyway, so what do you prefer? Overdose of AIDS or overdose or AIDS? Well, I mean, now when I look at the lineup that you had. Yeah, it was it, it was like it one of the sense. other is what yeah, I was yeah, going exactly. for. Exactly. It makes sense. It's either overdose or AIDS. But if it was just Phil Verone, overdose of AIDS would work. Dude, <laughs> so. How insane would that be if you just walked in and you saw a crime scene? There's like a chalk outline, like, oh, what happened? Oh, it's just an OD of what? Heroin? No. No. AIDS. <laughs> that wouldn't make AIDS. a difference. It would look the same. Ah, he's foamed out. What happened? It was all that AIDS. Just took him right out. I think it would be like, it wouldn't be foam out. Well, I mean, foam out, that's what happens with heroin. Yeah. Okay. So AIDS is going to be... Yeah. Bloody eyes or something. Bl- bloody eyes? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, what would happen, bro? Yeah. I don't know, bro. I don't know. Back to West Scantlin. So, unfortunately... No, let's go back to you thinking people bleed out of their eyes when they have AIDS. <laughs> when they overdose of AIDS? Dude, I don't know how, how that would take... Dude. You just die. Yeah, That's I know, happens. but you said foam out. Yeah. You saw where I disagreed Magic with Magic Johnson, when he retired from the NBA... He was a little. He doesn't emotional. have AIDS, dude. He, he, was he doesn't little, have the FBA. He He's got the HIV. He well, he did. He did. Oh, yeah, that's right. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't have AIDS, bro. There's full blown AIDS. There's HIV. So now okay. who looks like an asshole? Freddie Mercury. You can't when overdose. Died, a, you know. Well, Freddie Mercury doesn't look like an asshole, but when he when he died of AIDS, mm-hmm. I mean, now, it, it did te- happen. And technically speaking, like when you do die of AIDS, that is an overdose of AIDS. So I mean, no, you're it's just too much right. AIDS. It's too much. It's just, it's an avalanche of AIDS. And so your body can't take it. I think overdose or AIDS was a better title. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> right, so, regardless. Wes Scanlon, all right? We can make fun of him now before he's dead. He's going to die probably soon. Oh, we're, we're aware of this, right? So until then, I guess whatever press he gets for making us laugh. Now, let me ask you this. When you live a life this disheveled on drugs, alcohol, and whatever his issues are, you know, and when he dies, we'll definitely st- we don't make fun of the dead, so we won't talk about him then. Oh no, no, Pete doesn't make fun. of I him. don't make fun of the dead, and I just <clears throat> did make fun of the dead. Yeah, you do. That's true, and it was funny. So hats off to you. But um, wh- I mean, but honestly though, like with with Wes Scanlon, I mean, just listen to this guy. That's not just stupid. It's just the guy. He's just a disaster. <laughs> but uh, do you think that living your life this insane and then dying at fifty is like a funner life than? You know, straight edge no. cool dudes like us? No, no, right? Cool, straight edge cool dudes. First off, I'm not straight edge. <laughs> Second off, I'm not straight edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah. You're the one that dropped $15 on whiskey. That's the farthest. Oh, no, that was just edge. one shot each. No, yeah. we, we had a long night. It was darkest hour. Come on. I'm not saying it was a bad move. It I'm was just a great saying, move. It was a great move. Well, mm-hmm. j- her standing on the edge of the pit with a $15 whiskey was a bad move. Me starting a pit, not thinking the crowd would understand I'm running in circles. During a, a new first song off, was every, a bad move. First off, everyone knows what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't. I wasn't hitting people. I, I know how to. Mo- the mo- it was a new song. Right. Right. So you had the tough guy look. At, you know, it's like it's right, like, right, come right, on, right. guys, the song yeah, rocks. Had, I know this song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You had the, you had the tough 36 year old balding man in a mosh pit starting things. Yeah. You know, trying to get the young people going. Yeah. 
But young people today, it's a little bit difficult. It's a little. It's not like it was back in the '90s when you all all you'd have to do is just scream mosh, and everybody and you would have five pits going on with True. like a ten by ten room. True. Yeah. You know, but now. It's like you got to find the guys. No, we talked about this in the episode first is that you have to, yeah, find the guys, but you also have to, you know, make sure the storm is there. Right. So, and anyways, yeah. but um, <clears throat> West Scantland, probably right. no mosh pits there. No. Probably just a lot of cell phones out <laughs> waiting for him to say something stupid. Right. And he did. <laughs> and he just did that. His latest rant, if you guys haven't heard it, um, it, it, was, it wasn't even heartfelt. It was kind of like a... It was it was it was a little strange, but pretty much I'm gonna just say it verbatim. We yeah, didn't because, we didn't get the audio because yeah, it was a little too choppy. Yeah, we could have gotten the audio for you guys, but it was really just, it was it, was, it yeah, didn't we, make any sense. So you know? uh, pretty much what he said, he's like, I'm gonna miss Paul from Slipknot. I'm gonna miss the lead singer of Drowning Pool for the rest of my life. Now there was a long pause when he says I'm gonna miss because he obviously didn't know the guy's name that he was talking yeah. about. I'm gonna miss that dude. Exactly. And then he's like, we need to keep our eyes on the people. I'm losing a lot of friends. And then it's just let the bodies hit the floor. And then you just hear the crowd in, uh, I believe it was Virginia, just saying, let the bodies hit the floor. Like that was their song. Yeah. I think people in the audience actually thought that they were going to play that song and that was their song. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I legitimately <laughs> think that. You know, so, they're going to play the drowning pool song. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so I think people were like, when he said that, they're like, oh, they sing that too? Because yeah. I don't think anybody knows what Puddle of Mug sings. Yeah, they started chanting, like, like let the bodies hit the floor. And then they started up with uh, one, of the, one of Puddle of Mud songs, and they were let down. Yeah. They were <laughs> 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 it was like, oh, oh they're doing that shitty, they're doing that shitty uh, Suicide tendencies cover, you know what I mean? Like the Is one they when they point. Did Paloma do one? Well, they well, bro, you got it. You're fuck, the radio rock DJ. No, you she, know them more than me, dude. She fucking hates me. Is oh, I, I saw your song. mommy and your mommy's dead. That's like the same fucking song. Oh wow, you never heard it? No, you're right. I know yeah. you're right. I yeah. just never put it together. Right. You know that's true. Yeah, but seriously, dude, West Catlin. I see. I want him to live for as long as he can, just because. Goddamn, I I I love laughing at his downward spiral. It's so. There's a lot of guys mm-hmm. that live like Lemmy from Motorhead, but aren't Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah, and it's just sad. But that's the thing. Like Lemmy from Motorhead. Same deal. Let, let, me, let me from Motorhead. You can just say Lemmy. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me from Motorhead. Yeah. It really made me sound. <laughs> Let me, uh, but the thing is, is like, let me, first off, he came up at a different time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and on top of that, like he flat out said, he's like, look, I chose, I chose rock and roll over having a family, over having all this other stuff. You know, if he, if he didn't end up, you know, busting a nut in a couple of uh, road skanks, he wouldn't have children. You know what I mean? And it's just, and in the end, like on that documentary, he was like, oh, my son's the greatest treasure I have. Oh, you know? yeah, that was cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I think and a lot he's of... really great, too. Like when you get to meet your son at like 16 or, you know, it's just like, hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, make... this is so great. I didn't have to go. I didn't have to lose any sleep. Yeah, you're I not... didn't get any shitty. <laughs> I didn't get poop on my fingers from changing your diaper. This is wonderful. You're not selling that uh, lifelong hangover to me too well. Right. <laughs> so... Speaking of lifelong hangovers, uh, another story this week, guys. Uh, insane clown posse. Oh, <laughs> just a life. So this guy. And the fact that we're talking about insane clown posse on Metal Sucks just gives you an idea that it's going to be awesome. Yes, that something absolutely stupid happens. Stupid. Because yes. insane clown posse will always be the punching bag for metal and rock. Yeah, yeah. Because when you say they have awesome, more fans than us, they do. Yes, they breaks do. My How the fuck heart. does that happen? Every time I, I look in the mirror and I'm like, Shaggy Two Dope is going to make more money this year than I will probably my whole life. Yeah. 
it, it hurts a little. Exactly. It's just are you, it just goes right to. I just want to make another Slipknot. You know what I mean? Just <sighs> like not a band, but like a real Slipknot. Name. I know what you meant. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew what you meant. Exactly. You know? I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out like the dude from uh, Kill Bill. Yes. What's his name? Uh, David Carradine. David Carradine. Oh, in real life. Real life. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah, I don't make fun of the dead. Moving on. No, I'm moving on. No, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm you doing will. it. Let the bodies hit the floor. Leave the dead alone, homie. So a man got three and a half years in prison for uh, cutting off a, a pinky of a woman, gashing her arm, and then drinking their blood, him and two other juggalos, in respect to a dead juggalo uh and the judge gave him three and a half years and then what that made me think is i'm like all right these juggalos are um it is i mean kind of metal i guess in a way but do you think that juggalos are are actually gonna ever have a legitimate prison gang or is it just too laughable oh i fucking Uh, hope so can you imagine that yeah exactly if the juggalos have a legitimate prison gang they're gonna be the gang that gets raped that's pretty much it. Not like, by just, the looks of them. Yeah. Like it's I just, think you'll let them go. No, it's going to be a bunch of... Yeah, dude, every every guy that fucking rapes a juggalo... What if you get raped by the juggalo gang? Every, every, I mean, that's... that's oh, true, wow. Dude, yeah. you just drop down the rung like all the way. Dude, it's one thing getting painted white by jizz, but getting painted white by clown paint and jizz, it's just like, dude, it's just a bad combination. And you're going straight to the AIDS ward. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. That's another. Yeah, it, when you get raped by a juggalo, it just skips HIV and goes right to AIDS. Like, <laughs> it's just... Just because like, you want it. You're like, hurry yeah. up. They're hurry like, up. Yeah, exactly. Take me out as quick as I can. Yeah, White blood cells out of me. Yeah, Go I don't away. want I do not want to live with this memory anymore, <laughs> you know. So I, I just personally don't think they ever will be, but the more I, I research like the juggalo gang thing, and it, it just seems like a bunch of idiots making dumb mistakes like this guy cutting off some girl's pinky and drinking well, her blood. It but it's not seems to be anything kind of like mobilized or organized no, whatsoever. No, no, it's not mobilized or organized. But there's a gathering of the Juggalos that is mobilized and organized Yeah, yeah and but huge. that's not a gang. That's just a bunch of fucking, you know... I know, but why can't you take those people and create a gang? Are they just not I mean, smart you enough? could, but here's the thing with the... Here's the one thing I will say. Like, when they categorize the Juggalos as a gang, like, didn't the FBI or CIA do that? Yeah, they did. Yeah. You know, I've met many juggalos, okay? They're not dangerous. They're very stupid. Where have you met them? I'm just In random people. Them. Yeah, like you just well, run into them at the well, 7-Eleven. Like, well, yeah, like when you're when you're when you're when you when you work in radio like I do, and you you come up to people and you see everybody, you see many hatchet man tattoos. Mm. Which, by the way, I want to give a big shout out to Amanda. Uh, she was uh, at the I went did stand up in Tucson, Arizona last weekend, yeah. and she ended up showing up, and she listens to Rise to Offend, the other podcast, and this podcast. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Amanda, for the happy, double support. Happy but. birthday! But anyway, though, but, but she's not a juggalo. But my thing is. That's that's what I thought you were going to say. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I met a juggalo in yeah. Tucson. Makes sense. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. <laughs> and Amanda, yeah, man, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know why that the juggalo thing made me think of it, but I was like telling myself, I'm like, I don't I want to give her a shout out. But here's the thing, like, um, with the juggalo thing though, it's like, they're not, they're not dangerous. It's just what it is, is you got a bunch of outcasts, people that didn't really belong. Metal. You, you, Keep you met, going. But it's, but it's different than metal. I know. Because with metal, it's a lot. But more. how common are we? That's what I'm trying to say. Keep going. I'm listening. But they they are close. Yeah, no. metalheads, metalheads, and juggalos are 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 similar in one regard. But I do believe. Shut what, your mouth, huh? No, no. I'm just trying to tell Go you ahead, though. I'm they listening. Are, they're similar in some regards because again, it's like the outcast finding the outcast. But with metal, the message is it's a lot more intelligent. You know what I mean? It's like it always seems like when you when you hear a metal song, you're talking. You know, it's it's about it's something about. Uh, a like belief exp- they have in government or, or, or a belief that you have to have in yourself to, to, to power through. 
you know, the, the idea of embracing oh, the no, outcast. Dude, I, I, it's funny you brought that up. I mean, dude, I got the new Havoc record on Friday, and that thing is fucking amazing. And right. That's the whole message, this is what I listen to metal for. I, it's, I, was, waiting, I, I was waiting for these tr- like anti-Trump kind of like fucking records to come out, and this is the first one that kind of hit me, and I'm like, yes, you right. guys nailed it. So, yeah, keep going. You know, and it's, and it's like, for example, like, you know, here's some, like, listen to some of the j- uh, audio from Juggalos. What? You know, you have some? No, I don't. <laughs> but it's just no. I'm just saying, like, if you listen to some of it, it's like. Matter of fact, I think I do somewhere. But it's well, like, we don't we don't have time to search for it. Right, right. Good preparation. But I'm just. <laughs> but all I'm saying is though is like when you when you listen to them when you woo, listen to woo, them, woo woo <laughs> family woo woo. It's so goddamn. It's just, and that's what it is though, dude. It's like all it is is just get together. It's it. But will they get together in prison and start a gang? That's no, the question. No, no way. No. No way. Just, no. Not, just not scary enough. No. All right. There's going to be a bunch of guys with fucking clown paint on their dicks. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen because it's just going to be just giant prison cocks slapping them in the face all day, every day. Now let's actually talk some metal. Will we? We, 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 we just done West Scantlin and the Ice It's going to be, sh- be shaggy too. <laughs> Suicide Silence's new record uh, came out. The one that's been controversial. We, we talked about it many yes. times on the show. Every podcast probably uh, is talking about it. All that stuff. What? Yeah. But anyway, so uh, the point is, is that the record, uh, the sales for the first week came out. Um, 10,000 copies less the first week than their last record and the record before that. So it did take a huge hit out of their pockets. What do you think the backlash is when they see something like that? Do you think they have to go to the old format that works on the next record immediately? Do they play the new songs live? I mean, what do you think when the fans are like, no? Here's the thing. When you, as an artist, when Mm. you give people... Okay, when you go out of your way to give the people what they want, Mm -hmm. you fuck yourself. And and it comes across like that. Not always. Well... You're and right. Thing, You're right in a way, but also but my, like, but you because this, this is my point though. Mm-hmm. It's like because you you have to feel it. You can you you have to feel it. You can't just go. Hmm. What do the fans want? And then you try and write a song based on what the fans want. No, you have to feel it. That's why with the earlier stuff, you know, with the earlier stuff, it was such a different sound. Yeah. But then they evolved into something different. They're not the same guys. I understand that, but this is their livelihood. This is their career. I understand. If they that. come back to an album return to form, it will sell. And it, I mean, they're going to make money live. People are going to want to see my, it again. It's going to give them a reestablishment. But my where point is this: my, my point is is if they the reason why those albums sold in the first place is because that's what they were really feeling. No, I got you. If they write songs that they're not, if they write songs and they're not really feeling what they're writing, and they're just trying to do what they think the fans want. It's going to come back to bite him in the ass. But here's the thing. Like, Opeth did that three albums ago, right? They did the progressive rock album with, the, with Heritage, and they went forward. Um, and, like, the last one, Watershed, I think was, you know, almost eight years ago, let's say now. But it worked because album sales were the same on the last three records they did, all the way to Sorceress. So it worked for them. But if that first record came out, let's just say, when Heritage came out, it took a huge drop in sales. Like, will they have the confidence to keep going forward? Their fans transitioned with Opeth, where they're not doing that with Suicide Silence. Now, are they going to put three records out like this and then just eventually get a whole breed of new fans? Well, I also believe I also believe that like at Suicide Silence, unfortunately, when your lead singer takes his own life. No, well, it wasn't on purpose. Well, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you're right. But I mean, 
Okay, but, I can't say it wasn't on purpose either. Okay, but but, it was a motorcycle accident when he was drunk, so maybe it wasn't purpose. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay, but so, we're not going to say that. I don't think right. it's clarified. As okay, maybe yeah. it's not. But but anyway, though, when when your lead singer dies like that, mm-hmm. and then you bring in someone else, immediately you're getting the fans. And this is the lead singer. This isn't like the bass player or the drummer. Which I'm not saying they're not instrumental to the band, but the lead singer is the face of the band. Always has, always will be. No argument from me, dude. And when that when that lead singer dies. Half the fan base is going to go, oh, fuck it. Now you have to come back and you have to prove to them that that we're still the same band. We're still the same band, Which guys. they did with the record previously before right. this one. They right. did with Eddie. Right. Um, and they came back. Like I said, those record sales were better than the ones with Mitch, the one before. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, though, is they, they followed the same formula that they followed mm-hmm. with this last record. And I don't think, and you know, and I don't think uh, Eddie had as much to do with that sound as that, he does this one. As this one. You know? I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. So we, it's going to be interesting to keep following it. That's for sure. Like I said, we, we didn't, uh, you I know. Mean, we, I didn't think it was bad. No, we didn't hate the record at all. Um, you know, if, if it was a five-star review for us, we'd probably give it a three-star. I mean, legitimate. I know the site gave it three and a half stars. We're in the same boat there. Yeah, I would you know, three there, and a half. Yeah, I agree with that. There's things that, like, you know, you can probably do better. But like I said, the, the hate's definitely different. It's just a different sound. But speaking of, because you just said, not talking about death here, but, um, one of the biggest bands of metal for, you know, people definitely listen to the show is At The Gates. And their guitarist, Anders, has left the band. Um, that's huge to someone like me. I don't think a metal band without the same guitar player sounds the same ever in the history of metal. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. But the- and so when you lose someone like this, like you're saying, like the, the face of the band is the singer. But in a lot of bands, the sound of the band, to me, is how that guitar is played. You're right. You know, um, I can think of like the most important records, even if you don't go metal and you go a different route, if you go to uh, like a Marilyn Manson type, right? When mechanic, not mechanical animals, the one uh, Antichrist superstar, that guitar sound was very specific. When uh, that guy left the band, oh, I forgot his name at this point. But anyways, uh, Twiggy Ramirez. No, that was that was John the Five. Player. No, John Five is the guy after. Anyways, yeah, when John Five came in, it was a completely different sound, completely right. different band, completely different album, all that stuff. No, it, tw- yeah, <clears throat> it wasn't Twiggy. It was like um, Ginger Fish. No, were, we can't. I, I got it on the tip of my tongue. It was uh, Ramirez. I thought. No, I'm crazy. Forget it. That's Twiggy. Moving on. Um, I forgot the guy's name, dude. But anyways, the guitar sound was so was ch- instrumental on Mechanical Animals. And, you know, the one previous, the band kind of had this thing that I enjoyed. I lost my enjoyment after he left the band because the sound was different. Right. Um, and I think and it, you can say the same thing for, like, you know, Guns N' Roses. I know it was only run record, but you have to have that same guitar sound. So, Well, I mean, it's like Joe Perry left Aerosmith for, <laughs> for one album, and it was awful. And then when then he came back and then you know I'm not saying yeah. that, I'm not saying Aerosmith sh- no 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 that's that's my point point. I mean that's my a, point that's the point you're, you're so maybe like if Jimmy Page left Zeppelin like what the fuck yeah you know, so like, if at the gates tours without Anders it's fine but they're gonna have to release new music and the guys put seven guys up there one of them being Mike Schleybaum that could replace him and make it sound good but I'm I'm curious to see what what route they go um, you're right about that but here's I also think. I think if a if the lead singer leaves the band, number one, it's a completely different band. Uh, but right behind it, and I'm talking like one A, one B, as the guitar, as a guitar player, player yeah. you have to have that. Yeah, you know. And I, I mean, it, the thing is though, is like when a guitar player leaves during the live sets, I don't think you can necessarily really tell just because when no, you go you see, yeah, yeah, when you go see a live band, there's so much other things that are going on, so it's very hard to just focus in on the instrumental part of it. Yeah. But you know, you gotta wait until the next album. Now I've heard it where 
bands have replaced a guitar player and it came together great it sounded fine well when anders left the haunted um you know and i think jensen he was in the band previous i think he's he's writing a lot of the stuff you know for the latest record the record sounded very good and i I liked it a lot exit wounds but it wasn't the same haunted from before at all didn't sound even eerily it just sounded like the same tempo but like guitar wise you can tell the difference big time you know anders is one of those guitar players i think that has a real unique sound so Love at the gates, obviously, but let's see how this pans out. I want to know. I wonder because his brother's still in the band, yeah, Jonas. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. And I wonder if it's just the same thing like, you know, all the other brother bands. Yeah, like, like if you go to Oasis Black Crows or, or Oasis, Crows, yeah. if there's a beef between them, that's not confirmed or anything like that. In my mind, I'm like, I'm wondering. Well, if, I mean, it happened at Sepultura, and then it's like, you know. And they got back together. You're right. They got back. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, no, what happened was is not the, only did they not, it's like they're, isn't it just like one original member on Sepultura mm. right now? I don't think there is an. Yeah, there's, there's just well, one. Well, because Max uh, and, left. Yeah, yeah. Max Andreas left. is the only. I think Andreas was an original member, though. I think Paulo's the only one, right? I can't remember on the first record. I don't think Andreas was on there. I got to go back, right. dude. Well, Max. I left. only listen to Schizophrenic going forward. Uh, Schizophrenia going forward on fucking Sepultura. So uh, for me, it was always Andreas and the, and the brothers. Well, I, here's my thing. I, <clears> I, 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 love, I still love Sepultura. You know, um, Max. I thought it was going to be a big loss, but I fucking loved Eric Green. I, I think, dude, I'll tell you I this. I brought it up before on this podcast. No, I, and I, I'm a huge I fan. I'm a huge fan of, of the Sepultura with Eric Green, but I, I will stand that I, I do. It's not the same. Wish band. they changed the name. Yeah, they should have changed the name. And, and, and then kind of went especially through their own now. growth. I mean, especially well, now. now it's too late. I'm talking about right away. Right, right, know? right. So, well, uh, the thing is, though, is like you know, obviously there must have been some kind of inner turmoil with the band. I mean, bro, I feel the know, same Ma- way about Suicide Silence. But Max didn't, yeah. didn't. Didn't Max have like family die, and that's probably like his stepson? Or- yeah, yeah. The details were like his stepson passed away, and then they were trying to fire the manager, which is Max's wife from right. Sepultura at the end of the Roots tour. And then, like I said, the three went and got Derek Green, and then they started. And then the you know the first the, the Sepultura records without Max, the first two or three like against and stuff like that were kind of mediocre. But when they when they hit their stride, they've been nailing them right out of the park. Right. I think for a while, maybe the last four or five, but. Yeah, no, I, they should have changed the name. I mean, I stand by that. I still stand by the new Sepultura. I still listen to their records. I'm a fan that I get Cavalier Conspiracy, Sepultura, and Soulfly records now. I'm a fan. I get all this stuff from them, but I, I nothing stands up to the the classic stuff. But again, though, and let's let's segue into something from there. You know, before we move on. Okay, so the last thing we wanted to talk about before we get into our interview with uh, Mr. Mike Schliebaum from. Uh, Darkest Hour wow, is that, how formal. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Axel and Vince are they're, they're doing a, a best of the '90s metal countdown, and every day, if you guys check, they're they're knocking them down once a day, and it's like the top twenty-five. Me and Brandon were talking about what is going to be the obvious number one because usually there's an obvious one, you know. You're like, and, and but you know, like if you do it the '80s, depends. you're going to be like Slayer, right? The obvious one, yeah, to you was Pantera. That's easy. I, okay, I kind of agree with you on that. I, I just think, you know? I, I just think, as far as as far as metal, it goes like in the nineties, like, just the 90s. in the nineties. Like you, obviously, and you know, in the early eighties, and you know, you had your Iron Maidens, mm. you know, uh, and um, Sabbath in the seventies. Maiden was going in the seventies, but they didn't really. No, no, catch no. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the the, yeah. That's how I because uh, I feel the obvious one's death. Because they caught fire in the 90s. That's when Human and those records came out. And I think those are, that's probably one of the most important bands. But Pantera, like when you, that argument but I, is obviously. I just, think, I just think, you know, when you're just going off of popularity alone, I mean, Pantera, 
they were one of those bands. They were one of those first bands where I really heard uh, people try and emulate that sound, Phil and Summo. Oh, no, they you know, still do. They still yeah. do. And it's like, and they can't. And then, no. they, and then on top of that, then you got Dimebag on the on the guitar. It's just speaking of like to bring up the uh, the 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 Havoc record that I was listening to as well is that they did a slaughtered is a bonus track on the CD that I got. And dude, uh, nobody can cover Pantera with that same intensity like Phil and Dime. Right. Like that's the thing. It's like not a bad cover, dude. but like even when like Battlecross did a fucking hostile, they do not have the intensity of Phil Anselmo. Well, my thing There's is, something, you're right. It's just not there. Well, I remember. I remember the very first time I ever heard Pantera. I remember hearing this. It was MTV Video Movie Awards. Remember when they used to have? Uh, they would say, "All right, here's." It, they would have commercials for the uh, categories, mm-hmm. and one of them. And there was, like, one action sequence, and it was for The Last Boy Scout. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember okay. <laughs> so, like, remember the part where he shoots the guy off the ledge and he falls on top of the helicopter? That was awesome. But, like, so anyways, though, but the only reason I remember here, the only reason I, that popped into my head is because when they go, Last Boy Scout, and then every, every clip had um, a song. A, a, a song. Yeah. And then, like... The very, they go last Boy Scout and you just said and that's the first time you heard Pantera and I was like and from then on I was like what the and I didn't know what it was because I was like twelve or thirteen at the time wow wow and I was like what the fuck is it was like one of those things where it was the it was like when I first heard Metallica like one I was eight years old when I heard that and I was like whoa what the fuck and the thing is is I only heard that little clip the beginning like that was it and I was like what the fuck find this find this and then finally it probably took me a few months till somebody goes hey what do you think of this right somebody's calling you yeah I'm sorry about that that's my bad yeah but anyways um pros put it on vibrate you're right that was very impressional Mm -hmm. so so stick it up your ass I felt that way when I first (laughs) sorry sorry. I I cut you off because of a phone I went way hard but I felt that same way about like other like in Sepultura when I first heard them typo negative was a big band and then do you think Allison Chains is considered a metal band no okay no, I don't. I don't, think, I don't know. If I don't think. Either, uh, I love Alice in Chains. Oh, they're I'll great. Be the, I'll be the first one to tell you. I love Alice in Chains. I consider them a metal band. I love. I, I don't consider Soundgarden any of the other like big grunge bands. I've always considered Alice in Chains. I love a metal William band. Duvall, like their singer now. Yeah, like it's just, dude. They're, they're, I love that band. Anyways, but. Not, not a metal not band. A metal band. All right, I'll, get, I'll, I'll let you do that. Anyway, speaking so speaking of metal bands, yeah. Speaking of metal bands, if you guys haven't heard the latest record, the new record, the ninth record. Uh, Godless Prophets and the Migrant Flora, guys. Five-star reviews from MetalSucks.net. I agree with them 110%. So uh, we're going to play uh, a couple songs after this, but let's get into the interview with uh, Mr. Mike Schleenbaum from Darkest Hour. Metal Sucks Podcast. We are here with Mike Schleenbaum from Darkest Hour. Welcome to the van. Yes, yes. He's yeah. got us in here. Live yeah. in person, too. Live in person, yeah, that's... in the van, on tour, outside the concert. Doesn't get more punk rock, you know, Henry Rollins style than this. Oh, dude. And this is our first live interview for oh, yeah. us doing the podcast oh, here. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So so this is uh, definitely an experience. Um, so a uh, new record, when this airs, is going to be out. Um, Godless Prophets and Migrant Flora, it's going to be out now. Um, their tour is running with Ringworm. Uh, Rivers of Nile? Yeah, Ringworm, Rivers of Nile, and Tombs by the time you hear this, because we are recording this on Rotten Sound's last concert of the tour. But unfortunately, they can only stay so long because of visas, so... If we can all just change rules a little bit, the rest of the country could have gotten some rotten sound. See, that was a question I had, is that like when I looked at the bill, I was like, how did you guys reach out to Rotten Sound to get on this tour, or how did that come about? Well, we're always, 
We're always trying to put together like some sort of eclectic mix of things when we put together a headlining run. And then also, it's always really good to bring some sort of European or other outside act that like people are not going to see that often. Because like today, you guys, when we were doing the interview, you said, well, what time's Rotten Sound going? Uh-huh. I don't want to miss them. And it's nice to have a band early on that gets people in the room, uh-huh. you know, gets them to buy tickets, gets them in there, gets them drinking. And then... You know whether they stay or not is a is a kind of uh, crapshoot, but really, it's helpful to have a band that can draw people like that. And so they're sort of our ringer in the sense that you're not going to see that that often. But also uh, with Ringworm, they're like a classic hardcore staple of like like me and John listened to them when we were beginning the band. Mm. You know, so it's cool to be on tour with like. Some as, as close to our peers as you can get at this point, because most of people that are peers of Darkest Hours from the '90s aren't aren't even bands anymore. And so Ringworm keeps that shit real as fuck, and has a new album also, and is kind of going as stronger as strong as ever. You know what I mean with the releases that they've gotten. So it's a good it's a good uh, team to kind of pair up with because there are a lot of tour packages out here. There's a lot of things that are competing for people's attention. So that was the thought process for sure. And and speaking of uh, strong albums, your new record—it's overwhelmingly positive response from the media, from the fans, all the all the songs you guys put out. Ninth record. How do you capitalize on that positive momentum and keep well, it well, going? Hopefully, it's capitalized when people buy it. You know what I mean? Because uh, I guess the lights just turned out on us in their podcast, but you guys can't see that. <laughs> Quite all right. It's fine. So. Uh, you know, basically, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, we were talking about the momentum, the momentum of, the of it. Yeah, like in, in the past, we've put out different albums, and there's sort of just been different ways that we've marketed it and rolled it out. And this time, having it been crowdfunded, had it, having it been like. I want to say upstream, but picked up by Southern Lord and all these components. I mean, it really, it feels like there's momentum in a way that we've never, we haven't had, or at least haven't had in a while because you, you do have this like response on the internet, which was pretty amazing because, you know, people can be pretty hateful as you've seen with other bands, you know, releases lately. Uh, and oh, we're going to bring that up. We actually. were kind yeah. of lucky that we were lucky that, uh, we kind of were not the receiver of anything really negative. Right. And you're always looking at at those comments and shit, like if you are a person that looks at them, hoping for some sort of actual feedback, you know, and, and people can hide a lot of actual feedback in really negative, mean thoughts. And you've got to kind of read through them and dig through it and see what they're kind of trying to say, but it takes a lot of effort and sometimes it's not worth it, you know? So either way, I guess my point is that we're trying to take the, the, all the energy from this and turn it into actual sales of the album, because this time Unlike the albums in the past, we are the owners of the publishing. We have sort basically self-released with light with a licensing deal with Southern Lord. So, in a lot of ways, this is a, a DIY album. It is the band's album, and everyone that we've paired up with, you know, including Southern Lord and the bands we've gone on tour with, and the whole thing we've laid rolled out has really been under the umbrella of keeping the band in control of it and kind of giving us our shot to have our album 
even though it is the ninth hour. Right. But, you know. But this is kind of, this is like you're almost, you're coming out party almost. I mean, I you guess guys, so, yeah. yeah. This we is the one on, you can profit the most from. Yeah, well, I don't know. Again, you know, you have to, what's your perspective on, what does profit mean to you? Well, but, I mean, yeah. But I, let's say financially, hopefully, but in general, you know, we were on Victory for over a decade. Then we signed to various other labels as we kind of put out albums and sort of started to see what we were about. And the cool thing about this album is we went out of left field. We tried the crowdfunding thing. It actually worked for us. And now we're going to just hope to reap the rewards because it has been a lot of hard work. Well, it's like you're you're just not starting in the red like some of the other well, outlight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk. You know, um, here's the thing. I think people don't – if people understood the level of sacrifice that people in – bands make to create these albums and live the life of a person that's sleeping in the back of a van before they have to play this concert here in Las Vegas in a converted parking lot <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> it, they would understand that there, it's just there's there's never really a monetary profit because you're always just dumping everything back into this project right. trying to make it better so the cool thing at this time is we were able to just control where we spent the money and that led us to make the art choices we made made the layout choices we made made the producer choice we made and so it all kind of filtered into the vibe of the album right and uh you were talking about the positive response that you got from the album and it's so funny because when you think metal it's just this big middle finger up towards everybody so it's almost like you gotta like tiptoe that line you gotta they make are, some but, people but, but happy that's, but it's, you... it's not metal to fucking piss off your idols though I right mean, you know what i mean you can <clears throat> talk shit all day about saint anger but if james hetfield walks in the room you're like need to get a photo with him you know what I mean? <laughs> so i the think most real statement that's ever happened i think on this podcast. that uh <laughs> it's hard because it's you're rarely gonna have a real real interaction with the fan or a person who's first interacted with your music before they've interacted with you personally so uh you know i don't know i think that like i said the the whole james hetfield thing like if people can metalheads have their opinions but they love their heroes right so if you can be on the good side of that and hold on to it it's cool but on the other side is if you let them down there they will get vicious Mm-hmm. You know? But most of us that are like um, extremely positive and very supportive are, are quieter. But right? are but you know not most people that are attracted to extreme fucking brutal ass music are quiet and, and positive. That's true. You know what you're, I mean? Yeah. you're right. These are yeah. angry motherfucking people. Yeah, that's, that's why not. I mean, too, I yeah. think we're all angry too, even though we're all like kind of happy pessimists over here and. That, those are the people we want to reach with the music. The music's angry as well. I mean, it's a cathartic release in a lot of ways. So I think it, the, the angry people are our people. But you just hope that they don't have to turn their anger at you. And sometimes they do, and then they change their mind. Right. Sometimes you put out an album that might be a really different change for them, but you've been working on it for so long that it is a natural progression. And after a while, those that, that album sinks in they realize there's a couple deep cuts they like they've changed their whole idea of what you know what hat they're wearing what t-shirt they're wearing and now maybe it's okay so i think fans perspectives are kind of everywhere so you got to be careful of what you decide to let 
you know. Yeah, you can't make everyone happy. Yeah, you know, or just what you internalize because you're taking all this in as you're experiencing it, as you're reading all this shit on the internet, as you're looking at it, as you're seeing what people say. It's affecting you, and it's gonna affect how you create later if you if you really internalize it. Speaking of that, speaking of anger, on the new record, there's a song called In the Name of Us All, and that, it, it's just stage dive, ma, jungle pit. It's got the whole formula going for it's right? the D-beat song. When it comes on my truck, I'm punching my steering wheel, man. You know what I'm saying? So are you fully aware when you nail that intensity and energy on a song, or is it something you guys kind of like listen to later? Well, I think that the reason that some of the songs are on the album are because they just hit that that chord so fast and those songs exactly or that song and a few of the other ones that have that type of energy are usually the ones that don't change that much as we're writing them you know that one evolved a lot but that one had like at its core the idea was to kind of base it around that beat that's in it we call it the d beat but it's a punk beat kind of we just really wanted a rage and punk kind of vibe of a song but then as it grew and morphed and everybody got their shit in there it got a lot more metal and then once Kurt got involved there was another voice and so there you know we had to keep the song on the album because it just feels so urgent you know, and I th- I'm glad you picked up on it because you know it's later. It's a deeper cut. It's, on it's the album. A, yeah, it's like the 11th track. I want to. But say. we had to make sure we tried to pace the album because you just can't stack all those songs against each in, other in the front. <laughs> I get it. And yeah. Speaking of Kurt, like uh, on on the song "Timeless Numbers," like he, he'll he'll do that. He'll take the the beats and put them in the front. But your, the guitar solo is in the background of that song. When I listen to the mix, mm-hmm. now when you guys get the mix back, are you ever like, "Hey, why is my guitar in the back?" Or you just trust your? Well, producer? I'm interested, like what format you're listening on. A wave um it's it's headphones man yeah, so yes. i mean it might not be so far in the back like i mean if you listen to the vinyl version of the album yeah. the compression's on it's lighter and you're gonna hear like certain things that were layered in there that you just don't hear as loud on the mp3 yeah. and the aif and it, i used to think that was bullshit i'm straight up telling you but now as a person who has proofed every test press vinyl listened to the digital over and over again of the mastering in several different areas you know i can tell you that all the formats are different where you listen to it's different so i think that as far as mixing we went on the approach that we wanted to kind of have like a more classic sounding album and one of the bigger choices was to kind of have the vocals like a little bit more set in the music this time and that's a stylistic thing we'd done a bunch in the past and kind of the newer school approaches to like crank it up in the front but this time we chose to kind of sit it in there and it and to me it really does like later now having some perspective it really makes it feel (laughs) a little classic but there are definitely certain times I'm listening to it in certain places where I like wish I could like take that fader and just push it up a little push bit you know? right, but yeah. then I listen to it in like my white uh, Apple headphones and I'm like god damn these vocals are loud so it's like it's really weird, man. Right. You know, where you listen to it, how you listen to it affects what it actually sounds like. Now, speaking of producers, like you said, Kurt, did, Kurt Ballou did the new record. Um, but you guys, like if you go through the progression of all your discography, the producer does really kind of have a hand in the sound with your band how much do you guys trust the producers when you're going in because each like I said Devin Townsend record you got a little little uh, flair to it the Brian McTiernan is that how you say something those records got a little bit of his sound to it Uh, like the Human Romance is my favorite the the Soil Work guy did that one Peter Witchers did that one and that one's got that it's got that 
I don't know what it is, but the sounds are different with each producer. Yeah, the band is like a sponge. I mean, not every band reacts with the producer the way that this band does, but this band is like a sponge. When we interact with the producer, we take on a lot of their traits, we take on their approach, we take on their overall vision of sound of a sound for the album. So that those always affect the albums and you'll hear them in the albums the the Peter Witcher's album the Brian McTurnan album the Frederick Nordstrom album the Devin Townsend album and now the Kurt Ballou album there's a Taylor Larson album too yes he did the self-title so each person different approach different sound Brian uh, he's the only producer that's done a lot of multiple ones and so he's had to force himself to take different approaches but the Kurt Ballou approach was exactly the one we needed to kind of turn to on this album because I think it's in a direct reaction to the way a lot of modern metal music is. We have guys in the band that love playing. As soon as we're done with this podcast, we're going to go start warming up for the show. And we wanted to kind of like showcase that we love playing and we love like it to sound like these are guys playing. And so we needed a person who could record this in a way that wasn't so lean, like just he- capture heavily, that energy or heavily leaning on modern recording techniques. Mm-hmm. So Kurt like understands what it's like to record a band to tape without, without changing it that much. And we sort of wanted that a little bit without not, without making it sound unmodern. Because, I mean, we've already set that bar pretty high with the Devin and Peter albums, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, was the new album in any way a reaction to the self-titled album? I mean, it seems like you reestablished your own identity with this one. Well, I I hate to, like, throw the other album other albums under the bus. And, like, it's really easy to do because the marketing is like, they're back. Right, like, right. Well, wait, it's the what best the thing we've ever done. Yeah. But um, I think that we needed to make that album to make this album. We needed to try a lot of that things on the album in a lot of ways. When we added the rhythm section and things sort of changed lineup wise, it was a really it was a creative explosion because there were so many more things we could try and do, and that was exciting. And I think you hear that on the album. And I think if you were to piece that album down, uh, you could like make it a shorter Darkest Hour album that felt a little more inside the box but no I I think it was only a reaction in the sense that we tried the radio game we tried getting super melodic and man we just wanted to write some banger songs from front to start you know front to back I guess is what I'm trying to say right and they're all heavy they're all ragers and they're all just totally darkest hour but the way you did the, the self-titled album to go back there if, from my perspective is that you guys did exactly do that with songs like anti-access and things yeah, like that. yeah and by the starlight does crazy yeah different. i mean fuck but you, know, you had make totally crazy completely. futurist totally crazy compared to other but i mean but you had wasteland you had uh the exile. yeah rapture and exile yeah, yeah, and yeah. you have you, the great oppressor and you, you had, had a lot of the beneath the blackening sky and darkest hour lost for songs. life that dude that's like a darkest hour album there i mean yeah it's a double album it's a double lp uh maybe our, a lot of our fans weren't ready to go to, to some of the direction we went to because it, it was like polarizing against a lot of the aggressive stuff. But the album will sit in a discography of awesome jams. Yes. We play them all live. We play tonight. We'll play songs from the entire catalog and played by the band all squished together. They all work. So I think that's something to actually be proud of. And I, I, I like that album and I like it more I like self-titled even more now 
that this album's having a great wide accepted kind of like excited reaction because it's like oh yeah, but self-titles like my little baby too. You know? But it's gonna. T- that's one of those albums that I think takes time. Like we're well, yeah, it'll yeah. Be you were talking about that earlier. Piece. Yeah, it'll just yeah. be like it's gonna be cool that we did it. It'll showcase some musicianship that we had, but it, it'll also show that we took some risks. But we aren't like some bands where they they morph and they turn into something new, like like from a caterpillar to a butterfly to something crazy. Yeah, and we're not also like strictly a band that stayed exactly the same so we are sort of like our own beast where we every album's been different every album is a sponge of the environment that it's created not only just the producer but the record label um the environment of the way music is at that time you know i mean we have three albums that existed before the internet was widely used for music those albums were written in a completely different bubble as the ones now, you know? Yeah, totally. So, it's, uh, I guess there's a lot to unpack when you sort of start trying to think about how all the albums relate to each other. True. Right. Now, with the crowdfunding, like you said, it was a success. Now, when you guys, when you decided to go that route, I mean, was it nerve-wracking? Did you guys have long conversations like, all right, this is how we're going to try this? Yes. Okay. It, like, it was like constant phone calls and texting and whatever. But really what it, what it was was our manager which is part of the component that have we haven't touched on who we've been working with the management company for over a decade since two th- oh yeah since 2003 or so we've been working with the same manager and their company's kind of grown over there and they really provided a lot of the services that we use to make the crowdfund thing successful and also seem reliable to the people taking part and they really were like completely needed resource to pull it all together and make this a reality. So without them first pushing us to try it and second helping create a uh, plan and third helping implement that plan, then I don't think we would have been able to do what we've done, which is actually fund the album ahead of time make the album we wanted to make attract the people that we needed to attract to make it awesome and then you know release it that's one thing too about the crowdfunding like did was there an overall sense of pride as soon as you're like dude we made it like our fans no, really terror. want us to make this it was terror <laughs> yeah i mean i mean we knew we were going to make an album right but it was like the more we, but now the pressure's the more, on well the, and you know what that pressure is not to be to it's not the same type of pressure you've ever had this is pressure to not fuck it up yeah that's what to I'm saying to not have everybody say where's my digital version where's my CD where's my package I never got my t-shirt <laughs> you know like just to get it right man is hard and if you are a crowd funder, if you're an Indiegogoer, you can always reach me at that email that you got that via the Indiegogo, and I'm the one who does that follow-up because the only way to do this shit right is to actually have a band member doing it because when that person hits me up that didn't get that download or like that slipped through the cracks because they didn't understand how something worked, it matters that I know because it matters to me I gotta fucking resolve it cause I don't like it hanging out there that we fucked up this fan you know we fucked up delivering something to a fan that we were trying to do and so I think that anxiety is very useful to 
making this work, but also paired with the or, the organization and the experience of our management company that sort of helped us. We were able to make that decision to give it a shot and stumble along the way, but with some help. Would you do it again, do you think? Or do you think this is kind of like... The, the... Like, would I do what I just did again, yeah. or would I do it as crowdfund the next album the next album would you guys consider crowdfunding again or would you think that this experience was um, i really don't think i would really i mean i really don't it sounds like a I lot of extra it. work for you i guys just don't and know anxiety, i yeah. don't i just can't i don't know i mean this album has a story now and it's unique and I, it's hard to really think about the next one because you know this it's one isn't even right out yet, yeah. and and no matter what I tell you right now it will be a lie because <laughs> we change our fucking minds at the drop of a dime so I don't know where what what we're gonna and not even what I'm gonna feel but what we're gonna feel and that's a whole other part of it and so I guess where I'll say right is now is instead of thinking about that I'm thinking more about making sure people still get their shit so we just started shipping out stuff this week actually um well actually we've delivered the the digital version of the album to everybody who's crowdfunded so if you're hearing this and you didn't get it you got to hit up your customer service agent me (laughs) and i'll hook it up and if you didn't partake in that indiegogo but you're still a fucking awesome dude or you know, dudette that wants to fucking kick in and help out, then you can still obviously get, you know, pre-order the album and get it and still support the band, you know, and not have to deal with me trying to figure out if you got your package. But they're going out, and uh, we signed every one of the CDs and vinyl, and that took fucking forever. That was a labor of love. They've been shipped two times across the country to get to us, to get back to Southern Lord, so... Every one of those CDs and vinyl got a story. They got they got miles on them already, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, Deliver Us is ten years old this year. Any plans on doing any kind of? Uh, Fuck. Man. I'm sorry, man, to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, get, get, those albums get harder and harder. Shit. Uh, I would. I think that would be awesome. I mean, to be honest with you, you did undo the ruin Nation thing, right? Seems no? more timely to me in a sense that oh, it is. all of it fits in, and I'm like, fuck. How is this album still all this shit? Matt, it's like, like there's songs about like world worldview stuff that's still happening, the media stuff that's still happening. I mean, it's just like too poignant to not do but at the same time like you're right like deliver us is getting an anniversary and is a sick album but uh, it's like we got we got to work on promoting this new one so yeah exactly but i think i think it would be really cool to do at an event even though it's a lot of fucking work to get everybody to learn all the songs on the album it would be cool to do for one show you guys so. did undoing ruin didn't you do or did man you we did one? that we did a whole world tour of tour undoing on that ruin. one right for and the that tenure? would be like undoing ruin and then a whole other set of a mix of how is it playing the album through and through every night does it get tiring or no, no it gets awesome because oh. you get better really at it. Yeah. in the groove of it uh. i mean we we try to do sort of the same thing every night with a set but we still change it up because you want it to be slightly spontaneous with the album, though, in a row, not only is it cool because you know what's going on, but the fans know what you're going to play next. Mm-hmm. They know exactly how it goes, and they know what to expect, and I think that's really helpful when you do a live concert in this way. So, Well, with, uh, with Darkest Hour, like, this is a band that, you know, Pete and I kind of grew up with, mm. you know, like, uh, and uh, it's... 
since you guys started, you can almost see like a cultural shift. Do you think that this music can uh, can motivate young people like it used to? Yeah, do you think it can motiv- mobilize the youth like it did when we were growing up? Or do you think that things have changed too much where you're not really going to have that uh, same effect? I mean, I think that the most... Ra- rather than like thinking of the music as like a uh, a mobilizer for a mob of like-minded thinkers i think this this band is a dirty bomb to people that might not realize that they agree with us <laughs> like we are have the ability unlike a lot of my other friends who are in bands in washington dc and have leftist minded kind of liberal thinking views like we are a band that has fans that think everything like we have trump supporters and voters that are fans of the band you know because they like heavy metal and they have a different viewpoint of how the world is and that's fine we welcome that because i think that after a while after you realize you like this song or after you realize you like an album after you realize you like some guitar shredding like those ideas sink in and it's hard not to now i'm the leftist that maybe you're like okay with like being like well his band's cool but i don't necessarily agree with them but we're not like super aggressive in one way or another and we're not a hive mind so not everybody in the band thinks the same thing so once that's there there's a sort of gray area where people who think differently than each other can exist and so what we hope that the album can be is maybe more of like a mobilizer to people to have kind of a more individualistic kind of thinking you know uh, we would love to have like an audience of individual thinkers as opposed to a, a, a mobilized mob ready to kind of I guess push whatever agenda we have and what you just said that's why I started listening to metal when I was 18 because I always felt that I could think how I want to think and I'd be accepted as long as I get that surroundings you know so that's 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 perfect yeah and it's important though when you're you know inside of metal however that is you know what I mean it can still be a not it can still be a polarizing place and I think and sometimes maybe it needs to be to be real you know I don't really know how black metal cannot be that way I don't know how some forms of death metal cannot be that way. That's funny because so. we did a black metal. We did a bit because we, we do comedy bits for the show. And I sure enough, when I did the bit, I did uh, uh, I was talking about atheism and Satanism and I mixed them into one. I'm like, shit, this is what I think black metal bands do all the time. Right. Yeah. But I have no examples. So that's exactly what you mean. So the, the message can be like left or right. You're, you're yeah. not sure. Sometimes you can get the wrong things. So. Or you could just be like an agnostic band and just be like, ah, I don't really know. Yeah. Hey. That's probably the best. Yeah. God doesn't exist. Maybe. <laughs> so, Mike, we want to thank you so much, man. The new record is amazing, just like every record you guys have put out in your entire career. So uh, we, we really hope everybody gets out there and supports. Uh, last question we want to ask you before we get we uh, get out of your way and we, we hit up this show. Yeah, before is, we hit out the van and yeah. go to this parking lot. <laughs> so uh, have you guys ever considered doing a covers record? Well, we could probably take all the covers we've done and make an album. I mean, we have covered uh, Battery, Pentagram, um, Dead Kennedys. You did the Painkiller one. Painkiller, Minor Threat. um, Shit, there's like one or two more in there. Like, there, we, we... I don't know, you know, we kind of like developed this thing where we like like doing the covers. Oh, we did that other thing for Sumerian, that fucking who was that? 
Uh, hold on, I've got to ask. I've got to ask the committee. Hold on. Florence and the Machine. Florence and the Machine. There you go. <laughs> we did a Florence Machine cover too. Like, um, that's almost the Darkest Hour covers album. But I, the amount of energy it takes for us to get in and do a cover. I just think most people would rather hear us do an original at this point. 100% I agree. do like I do like like they're fun. The cover, they're fun and they're a learning experience and you take that learning with you. It's like, okay, let me give you an example. The covers that we did, they were a perfect learning curve for the album because they were two songs that were recorded with no drum editing, which is like technical for all you kids out there. But like we, instead of the modern like Pro Tools style approach to recording, which we did on self-titled, which is very evident because it's very, very super produced. We went and we recorded that. I mean, basically it's like the guitars are are pretty live the drums are pretty live the vocals are only a couple takes of all those covers but the energy felt great everything felt cool and we realized oh shit like we can do this we can do this without all of these tricks you know and we were able to do that under the guise of these covers which you know are low pressure and so once we sort of ingested that we realized that we could we could go and try to make this live sounding album as long as we got like that was recorded with our friend Paul Levitt. He did those two covers. But we we knew that we wanted somebody... We needed to bring in kind of like a, the X Factor to make sure we had the tones and the vibe of the thing right. But those covers, just like all the covers we've done, are learning experiences and part of the way the band grows. But a whole album? We need, we need to be talking about somebody coming with a big check for that. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> big check. Everybody's got a price. Uh, well, Ted well, we our, <laughs> our price isn't even that hidden. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Awesome. <laughs> is, all you got to know is this price goes to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, guys, you get out there right now. You pick up this new record, Godless Prophets and the Migrant Flora. We want to see a big first week. We want Darkest Hour to know that, hey, we're supporting them big time guys it's an amazing record blow up the billboard blow it up i want to see them in the top Ooh, i'm gonna say it doesn't 30. matter <laughs> so the, the, the number really doesn't matter but um what it would be is just an affirmation that for all these people who've been buying the albums all these years and are like man i just like think you guys should just be like the biggest band like i just love you and it's like okay well i mean you got you did your part you bought the album yeah so you want their you. support to pay you off know, and you know and and this is what's cool about this album we can already say it's paid off like you you know fans have already contributed enough that we've made this cool album and now it's just like we can share it with everybody and in return hopefully continue the ability for the band to exist and continue to play and continue to change people's minds and you know hopefully bring this metal to places that it doesn't always you know go we were it's funny we were always compared to at the gates right yeah but we went and played tons of countries and places that at the gates never would have went and we went and we held the flag high and we said hey we sound just like this band Oh, you, you never heard that band? Well, you got to hear that band because we sound just like them. <laughs> yeah, we're or, here <laughs> playing in Nova Scotia. So come, you know what I mean? In Halifax or wherever, in Greece, or even though At The Gates has been there. But my point is, 
you know, we took the music to a lot of new places. It was, it was a handoff we were happy to take. And now, 21 years later, we're happy to keep doing it with the help of support of everybody out there. So, yeah, get out there and get the album. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Excellent. Right on, Thank brother. You, Thank you. Man. Yeah. Cheers.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
are back, dude. Those Darkest are- Hour. That was the first song was Timeless Number, and the second one was Those Who Survived. Both off the latest record. Um, this record is amazing, and I talked. We said it in the interview, but uh, in the name of us all, that is the that song is. I wish we could have played that song. I mean, they didn't release it yet, so I didn't want to take the liberties. But you guys find that track. That thing is a beast. The whole record is just amazing. So. Um, just oof, man. I'm I'm high. I just saw him live, so I kind of got that. Wow, uh, yeah. I got that that you moment. I just want to. I just want to keep fucking talking about yeah, it. Yeah, <clears throat> you saw him live a few days ago, and your nipples are poking out through your shirt. Hey, by the way, I had a real good, quick, I had a good, I had a good week. So real, the, real quick, up. so you saw Goat Horror. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw Darkest Hour. I think on a Thursday in uh, in Rotten Sound and all those bands, and then we saw I saw Goat Horror, Legion, and. Uh, Cattle decapitation. Okay, yeah. and the and, only reason I want to bring this up is because Pete is is oh, right now wearing his goat horse shirt that he bought at the show. And what does it say on the oh, back? Oh, on the back. They're touring with Whitechapel, as you guys know, but they're selling the shirt that says um, less Whitechapel, more haunting the chapel at the tour. What that, the they're fuck touring is that? with Whitechapel. Do Dude, they not like I, I asked him. No, nah, I didn't say nothing bad about it. He's like, he's like, no, nah, man. We told him straight up, we're selling this damn T-shirt. You know, people like it, and I'm like, I'm fucking buying it at this show. You know, so but yeah, I got to I got to see. Dude, if you guys catch that tour too, man. Catch it. That, that would be such a That was a if, fucking killer shirt. Because on the back of the shirt, it says that. Yeah, or on the back. And it's like. Or if you're saying if you're Whitechapel, it hurts your If you're Whitechapel and then somebody's got to go take a shit and they're walking through, you, I would just zero <clears> in on the back of that shirt. Dude, I'll tell crush you. Me. But like Whitechapel brings, the, they they are huge. They bring a lot of fucking fans and uh, all the other bands. It seems like the Cattle Decapitation, Goat Whore, and Allegiant fans are all together and the Whitechapel fans are Whitechapel fans. It right. seems like you have that. So I'm obviously. You know, nothing bad about Whitechapel. I got I got one of their records. I got New Era Corruption. It's a good record. But um, the other bands, it's like, dude, you. I'm just saying, like, that's a killer lineup. I hope they take that shit to Europe and beyond because that was just an amazing show as well. Anyways. That's it for Metal Sucks Podcast. Week, right. uh, anything else you want to get out? No, brother. That's all. All right. That's it. We'll see you guys next week. Metal Sucks Podcast out. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.